What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. You guys, my book is out. I mean, it is out in the world. I cannot believe it. I have been writing it for several years and it's just mind-blowing. Birth Story, Pregnancy Guidebook and Journal is a -a one-of-a-kind discovery into your pregnancy that provides you education through storytelling. So what's it really about? In the 16 years that I have served women with every personality type, I noticed there was a huge disconnect between what my clients were craving for childbirth education in a book and the books that were actually available on the market. There seemed to be unlimited resources if you are looking for an unmedicated birth or a natural birth or a home birth. But there just weren't a lot of resources for my clients who were part of the 92% of women birthing in a hospital and very much open to medical interventions like an epidural, nitrous oxide, and opioid medications. So I wrote that book to fill the gap for you. Week by week throughout your pregnancy, you will engage with material meant to educate and empower you as you plan for your own birth story, hospital, medicated, unmedicated, or something in between. You are welcomed each week with a postcard from the womb, which is an adorable note from your baby about their miraculous development, as well as the amazing changes occurring within you. Then you are invited to use an uplifting birth affirmation and to respond to an introspective journaling prompt to document your feelings, curiosities, and wonders every single week. With room to memorialize your own birth story, this book will become a memory keeper and a legacy gift for your baby. You are encouraged to read one of my favorite birth stories each week filled with childbirth education, tidbits, and explanations of important medical terms and procedures. These are real-life accounts shared with permission from the births that I've attended during my career as a doula, and I gave you a great mix. In the 42-week guide to your pregnancy and 42 birth stories, seven of them end in cesarean section. About half are unmedicated and the other half are medicated deliveries. This is a judgment-free book. So take what you need from each element and leave the rest. Okay, are you ready to buy? I would love for you to go to birthstory.com and buy it directly from me. But I totally get it if you're an Amazon girl. You can head to amazon.com and just type in birthstorypregnancy 
and the book should pop up. I'll deliver it straight to your doorstep. And I would venture to say that you might be an audiobook kind of woman because you're listening to a podcast. So if you would prefer to listen to this book, then I have recorded it and it is available for download at audible.com or on your Audible app. Thank you for being part of the birth story community. I'm so excited for you to have this book in your hand once you've purchased it and it has arrived. I hope that you will give me your thoughts and feedback and don't forget to take a selfie with your book and post it on Instagram and tag at birth story podcast. Episode 33. Hey, everybody. I have a little disclaimer before this episode because it's a little bit different than some of the birth stories that you've heard. Today, we're going to dive into the exploration of the birth story of one of my friends, Shane, who was born Taylor. And the reason that this episode is being aired on the birth story podcast is that many, if not all of you, are pregnant, soon to be pregnant, or are raising children. And part of our journey into parenthood that is shifting in today's world is understanding the difference between our children, our baby inside of us growing in our womb, their biological sex organs compared to their gender. We have hashtag gender reveal. Our society and many societies around the world continue to mistake gender and sex as one in the same. Earlier on in my podcast, I have even let it slide when guests have talked about their gender reveal or finding out the gender of the baby. So today's episode is all about being open to knowing that the baby that you're growing inside of you has both a sex and a gender that will develop when they are around four to five years old. I remember being pregnant with Max and watching a viral YouTube video about Rylan. And Rylan is transgender and transitioned very young and I just remember listening to this parent's story and thinking, gosh, I didn't even consider this. I'm rubbing my belly. We did not know if Max was going to have the sex organs of a, a boy or a girl. We were surprised at the birth. But I remember thinking for the first time, it was right around the time Caitlyn Jenner was transitioning also. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm going into parenthood thinking about some things in which I will, in the way in which I will love my children in a way that I've never thought I would have to think about. Many years later, my children are now five and four, and we are so thankful that we had those conversations and those thoughts early on as one of our family members is transitioning right before our eyes. And so today's episode is very personal to me. It's very special to me. And I hope that even if you're here because you were hoping for just a birth story in its traditional sense, that you will stick around and you will listen to 
how we can transform the way we think about sex and gender. And so before the episode starts, I'm going to read you a children's book that my children have called Who Are You? The Kid's Guide to Gender Identity. And it's by Brooke Pesson Wedby and illustrated by Naomi Bardoff. And it begins, this is a story about you. The important thing to remember is that you are the one who knows you best. When babies are born, people ask, is it a boy or a girl? Babies can't talk, so grown-ups make a guess by looking at their bodies. This is the sex assigned to you at birth, male or female. Sometimes people get this confused with gender, but gender is much more than the body you were born with. As babies grow into kids, they start to know what they like and what they don't like. This is your personal expression, what you like, how you dress and act. There are so many ways to express yourself. What you like can change as you grow up or even from day to day. What do you like? When I'm reading this book to my children, they'll often say, I like the giraffe. I like the plane. And the next one will say, I like the paintbrushes. And it does change day to day. The next is a picture of the closet and the clothes. And I often ask my boys, which clothes do you like? And some days they like the cargo pants and the polo shirt. And some days they choose the ballerina tutu or the fancy dress. So kids know a lot about themselves. They know who they are by how they feel inside. This is your identity. Who you feel like inside. Who you know yourself to be. This can also change as you grow up or change from day to day. Your gender is just one part of your identity. What makes you you? Some people say there are only two genders, but there really are many genders. I am a girl. I am a boy. I am both. I am neither. I am just me. You are who you say you are because you know you best. For some people, the grown-ups guessed right about their body and their gender. This is called cisgender. When someone's identity matches their sex that they were assigned at birth. And for some people, there are more than two choices. These are just a few words people use. Trans, genderqueer, non-binary, gender fluid, transgender, gender neutral, agender, bigender, third gender, two-spirit. And there are even more words people are using to describe their experience. This is called the gender spectrum. There are lots of ways to be a boy. There are lots of ways to be a girl. There are lots of ways to be a kid. So be who you are. I just want to say thank you, Brooke Pesson Wedby, for this incredible book. And I hope that you enjoy the birth story of Shane O'Lane in episode 33.
Hey, everybody, welcome to the Birth Story Podcast. It's Heidi. And today I have a really fascinating and exciting guest, Shane. Shane is actually the very first boy that I am going to be interviewing on the podcast solo. So today we're taking a little bit of a diversion because it's Shane's birthday. So whoop, yeah. happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe for I'll me. sing to you later <laughs> on your birthday. Excellent. I'm ready. But I wanted to share two kinds of things about Shane's life. So we're going to learn all about Shane. And then we're going to hear Shane's birth story from birthing from a female body into his true male self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate you having me on and talking about this and being able to like fully sit down and see my own story itself because, you know, I'm I see it going on in the present, but actually diving in and seeing how all this came about, like this is really informative for not only me, but for everyone. So I'm excited about this. It is. Yeah. And so anyone who's listening right now and is like, this is interesting. This is, (laughs) you know, going a little bit off topic, but I hope that everyone could see how relevant this is because this really truly is a rebirth Uh when adults, like we just heard in the book, when adults guess gender based on really the sexual parts that our bodies are born with. The baby's born and we talk about on this podcast and we're like, it's a boy or it's a girl. Or often on this podcast, I have people say, I found out the gender and I'm really having to change that language on this podcast, on my platform to say like, you didn't find out the gender of your baby. You found out the sex of your baby. You found out that your baby had a penis mm-hmm. or a vagina. The biological side of it. Yeah. Yes, which is very different than gender. So today we're just going to tackle this education through storytelling as my platform. And so I want to hear your story, Shane. I want to hear about all of it, where, how you were born, what your life has been like, you know, how this process unfolded. I want people that are listening to like learn from you by hearing your story and um, how we found each other Yeah, is like I showed up at the local comedy club here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte Comedy Zone. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it was a big lineup, right? And you, you got this form and I had to rank everybody and Shane gets up on stage. And is hysterical and is likely one of the few people I was like checking off as like, yes, awesome. Like, bring him back. So good. Amazing comedian. You're really good. And I've been following you on Instagram, too. But I was sitting there and I was thinking, you know, I'm going to record this story authentically. And one of my family members right now is transitioning. And so I maybe right before I walked into that comedy club, I was, you know, very much in grief, very much in shock, very much confused. Mm -hmm. And I like I sat down and it took a topic that I thought was like scary and heavy. And and it and I walked out of that comedy club feeling okay, like, oh, like, okay, this person in my family is still the same person. Mm -hmm. Like none of that is changing. Yeah. When when you came up to me after the show and like. I'm I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason. The timing, the every like everything involving what happens in your life is 
the reason that it's happening. And so when you came to me after the show, like I was really like, oh my God, like, I don't know. This is my first couple of times doing this and you, I'm just really trying to feel things out. And is, is this really a relevant topic that people are wanting to listen to? And then when you came up after and we had our conversations, it was just riveting myself and just, oh, wow, this is something that can reach people who are going through things, even if it's not someone who's transitioning themselves, but it's someone who's involved with it, their family members, their their people in their lives and having that connection. So that was like really good for me. And just and able to talk about that with you was just invigorating. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this last year of my life has been one of those things. You know how people say when you're thinking about buying a certain car, like a Honda Accord, <laughs> then you go out and all you see on the road are like a Honda, Honda Accords, Accords <laughs> you know? And so that's what this year has been like for me. Like if I look back on like the previous years of my life, like maybe I would have known about someone who was transitioning or someone who is transgender besides Caitlyn Jenner. Mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe not. But now I feel like that my eyes have been open and I allowed my heart to be open to all of the ways in which we are human mm -hmm. and we are great people. Now I feel like everywhere I go, I'm running into <laughs> a friend who has a child who's transitioning or a friend whose spouse is transitioning mm -hmm. or a friend who says, you know, I, I've, I feel more non-binary, you know, some days I feel really feminine and sometimes yeah. I feel pretty masculine and, and in the native American cultures, I've been reading a lot about like two spirits. Mm -hmm. We're here to listen to your story today, but I am hoping that when people finish listening to this podcast, it's like they're driving down the road and they see all those Honda Accords, yeah. <laughs> like that their eyes are a little bit more open mm -hmm. and just a little bit more like generous you know, sure. um, with their love at the end of today. Yeah. So like at the end, we're all humans. We're just trying to live our own lives and just being able to be a part of someone's journey like that while also doing our own journey is just fabulous, really. And just being connected that way is really awesome. Yeah. So happy birthday. Thank you. And Thank let's you. hear your whole story. OK, so where are you from? So originally I was born in Charlotte. And okay. I lived in the Steel Creek area before it like started popping up. I think it's an outlet mall now. That was not even a topic of discussion. This was still country. Yeah, this was still like rural country type thing. And so. And let's uh, start too. I'm going to interrupt. How yeah, old are you? I am 25 today. 25. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. You look much <laughs> younger than that. That's what uh, <laughs> that's what people tell me. And sometimes because comedy, acting, all of that. I say that I'm 33 and that, like it's a straight deadpan face. And they're like, there's no way. What's your birth year? And I did the math just to play along with it. I was like, yep, 1986 this yeah. day. And they're like, what? That's insane. I was like, no, I'm actually 25. That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. So you were born more in like 1994. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. I no. only know that because, <laughs> no, I only know that because my little sister is also 25. Oh, gotcha. So. Okay. Gotcha. Anyway, so you were born here in Charlotte mm -hmm. and then. So I was born in Charlotte and then I also was born with a couple of birth defects. I was okay. um, I was born. Was it I think it was a dislocated hip. I just can't remember completely. But okay. I came out kind of crooked and just they were like, what's wrong with this hip baby? dysplasia? Yes. There that's what I was okay. like, something with a D and all that. So yeah. they did a couple of surgeries on me. And for the first three years of my life, I had a, a brace on. Okay. And after coming to the doctor and they're like, oh, this person's not really going to 
walk too well or definitely no sports. Well, I played all sports in middle school and high school and even in some college. So that was just out the window. But that was like a very interesting part of my life. I only remember the later times with the brace. Yeah. And I've seen pictures of me like sitting kind of legs wide open with the brace on. And it's just interesting kind of seeing it that way and not really remembering what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So and then I stayed here in Charlotte until fifth grade. Then we moved to South Carolina, uh, Fort Mill, South Carolina. So still in the area, but not not really too far. And uh, I went through middle school and high school there and then finally went off to college in Florida, stayed there till last year. And now I'm back. Okay, so where did you go to college in Florida? University of Tampa. It's a private school in downtown Tampa, like right on the water. Beautiful. So it was a really cool cool place. Now, what did you study? I changed my major about four or five times, mainly because I, when I was in high school, I had a dream of being like uh, some sort of artist. I thought it was a graphic designer. And then when I went to school, I was like, film and production is really where I want to go. But... I kind of let other people's opinions kind of sway me away. Okay. Basically, what I heard was, you're never going to make it in the film industry. You're not going to create great films. Why try? So I switched my major and I um, kept switching and switching till I figured something out. And I was like, well, if I want a job after college, I'll just get communications. It's broad enough. I can do anything. And I got a minor in government. There was just a lot of <laughs> those are there was, so far apart from each other, but but also connected in a know? way. Yeah. yeah. And then like I had intentions of, you know, doing more like clerical or like government work. And I was in government for like a year or so after college. And then like elections came, people moved, people left. And so I kind of got out. And now I'm back on like my creative side. Like, OK, I saw that spot. It's really interesting. It's just not who I am. So I started getting into more like artistry, watching SNL. And then I was like, oh, stand up is something that's like can encompass anything. And so that's kind of where I just started my path. And now here we are in this podcasting room. Yes. So is that your primary job right now is stand up comedy? That's what we're working on right now. Okay. By day, I am a humble barista at Starbucks. Oh, yes. I'm drinking Starbucks. (laughs) The Honda Accord, that's my stuff. Yes, Starbucks okay. is my Honda Accord. <laughs> Which store are you at? Um, I'm at UNCC store. So like right across from the university. I know exactly. The drive through one. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know exactly that's, which one it that's is. That's where I work. By day I do that. And then at night I do whatever I can, whether it's stand up or producing my videos or getting anything that's creative work done. So this is another one of those Honda Accords. (laughs) Now everywhere I go, like I was at, I'm a doula. So I'm at the hospital Mm -hmm. and on like the back of the um, wheelchairs. Okay. I don't know why, but they all say trans on like transportation, I guess. But they all say just trans. But for you, for me, I'm like, it's everywhere. (laughs) You know, this transition, Mm -hmm. transgender concept is everywhere. But I was wondering As someone who has transitioned or is in the process of transitioning, we'll get there from female to male. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about the word transition? I use it in my set. I use it almost every day. I just used it in that sentence, even something that wasn't related to being trans. It's very across the board and very universal. Like this is a switch of some sort. Like you are coming to realize that this is the new way to do something. So it's the full transition I use that word interchangeably almost every day. Yeah. And I do in the set where I'm like, okay, let me transition. 
And big laugh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's a word that everyone will understand no matter what's happening. Yeah. And it's just like an, some sort of easier concept in a way to really grasp what's happening. Okay. You can feel free to use the wheelchair with trans <laughs> on it. In your I'm going to have to work also. that into my stuff. <laughs> All of the hospitals. Yeah. So. <laughs> Okay, well, let's go back to childhood. Yeah. Okay. You are born, you've got this hip dysplasia, like you're working through that. So right away, people have told you like, you can't, you can't, you can't, Uh but you overcame and you did and you did and you did. And from my research, now this is where we could have like a whole nother discussion, but from, from my research, gender identity tends to emerge around the age of five to six years old. And there's a there's a whole bunch of other science that we could go down, but I, like I'm, we're not going to go down that today in this <laughs> podcast because it's a birth story yeah. podcast. But for anyone listening, there is a lot of research out there that's undeniable that our gender is very different from our our biological sex. This is a science. This is black and white. This is science. It's really not contested in any way, shape, or form. And that our our gender identity, the way that we feel on the inside, the way our brain, sometimes it matches our body, sometimes it doesn't match our body, that that kind of starts to unfold around the age of like five or six. Now, many people ignore those thoughts because of their family, their religion, society, you name it. Mm -hmm. They may have a thought, they never verbalize it, they don't bring it up. They, you know, dress in the package they were um, told to dress in and move on with their life. They're Mm -hmm. afraid of the things that they're feeling. And then this is when you hear stories very similar to them. Probably the most famous transitioning story that we know is Caitlyn Jenner, Mm -hmm. at least here in the United States, that are much older individuals that have already gotten married and had families and children. And then for the first time are saying, you know, no, it's. This is who I am, and it's about time that it came out that I am this way. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I know at five or six, you don't we don't have tons of memories, right? Mm-hmm. But I was wanting to kind of dive in with you and talk about your childhood. Yeah, like you were born in a female body. Mm-hmm. What was your name? My name was Taylor, so still pretty gender neutral. But one of the reasons that I decided to change the name is that when people address me as such, I was addressed with feminine uh, attributes, addressed as she he, or she, and just it wouldn't feel the same. Probably in middle school, I think it was, I did try to change my name, but my mom's my mom was just like, what What are you doing? I am not the mother of that person. And But it was more like a joking, not a serious, how dare you try to change your name. It was like, I want a nickname. I want to feel important. But I didn't know what it really meant. Like, I didn't know that was one of the starting processes. So around that five to six-year-old time, little Taylor, I'm sure you're like in a dress or, you know, I don't know, you had some dresses. Yeah. Actually, around, I think it was six, I went to a private Christian school. So uniforms and it was a pleated skirt and all of that. I actually remember, like, this is probably one of the first vivid memories about now that I'm looking back and accepting who I am and all of this, I can really go back through my life and see, wow, I should have picked up at that moment. But I remember crying in the bathroom. I was just playing with some kids on the playground. And I was like, hey, let me play with you. But they're like, you can't. You're a girl and all of this. Like, we don't want to play with girls. I was like, I'm not a girl. And then they went into the full thing, like almost not really physical fight, but it was just a lot of words back and forth. So I remember going to the bathroom, crying a lot. And I like really remember 
just wishing that I was born a boy or even if I could be a boy for a day. I wouldn't be satisfied, which is a day. But at the time, I'm six years old and I'm just like, hey, just make me a boy for right now. And that was like the turning point, really. Yeah. And you can remember that like vividly at that young of an age. Mm -hmm. So did you talk to anyone at this private Christian school (laughs) (laughs) or did you address any of these things? Like when your parents called you Taylor and said she like at that young age, do you ever remember saying to your parents, like, I feel more like a boy? I didn't really like address it that way. But while I was not at school, they would let me dress any way I want. It was more so, you know, masculine dress and everything. They thought it was just like tomboy-esque. And they're like, okay, it's time to go to school. You got to get in the skirt. I was like, I don't want to get in the skirt. And it just kept going that way. But the only people that I would talk to about, you know, the times that I wish I was a boy would be like, Either my cousin, who was the same age as me, or some people at the school itself, like kids. And I was just like, like my friends that I could talk with and be open with. They were like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, yeah, well, this. And my cousin, we're, what, seven or eight at this time of the story? Yeah. And, you know, during Christmas, you get certain things. You got to get socks, like boxers and all that. He didn't want clothes. He wanted toys. And I was like, I want those boxers. So he we kind of like traded toys at a point. So yeah. like, I gave him toys and he gave me boxers. And I was like, wow, this is so great. And then like I would wear that under my skirt and people would think like, you know, they're they're just shorts for girls or whatnot. So that, you know, you're not really exposing after you sit or something. But I was like, no, I know what they are. They're boxers and they feel great. And did that help? Like back in the day when you were six or seven, you wouldn't have had the term dysphoria, like body dysphoria, right? Which is the term, which is like the medical term, I guess, that we use for this. When we look in the mirror and we feel... You know, the way, what we see is not how we feel on the mm-hmm. inside, what we see on the outside. There's also another really good book right now I would like to interject yeah. on this concept, and it's called Red Crayon. Oh, it's so good. So if you have children and you want to introduce the concept of feeling different on the inside than you look on the outside, it's a children's book that is about a... Now I'm going to get it wrong on whether it was a red or a blue. Oh, it was a red crayon. <laughs> okay. Sorry, it was really a blue crayon. Felt, yeah, felt blue, mm-hmm. but had a red package. Oh. And throughout the book, everyone's trying to make it more red and brings it a red scarf mm-hmm. and red shoes and tries to fix it and puts a Band-Aid on it. It's a really great book, but it helps kind of explain to children, too, you know, that that no matter how hard you try, yeah, the crayon is blue, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so when you switched out these boxer shorts... You know, for your toys and then warm under your skirt. I'm assuming that that helped remind you, you know, throughout the day that you really were like honoring to yourself. Like, I'm a boy. Mm -hmm. These boxer shorts help me feel like a boy. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly really what I kind of felt along that. And then going along with like trying the red crown, them giving red scarves and shoes and trying to make them feel more red. That would happen like if I had was given, you know, feminine clothes or anything like that, I'd be so excited and then look at it like, oh, it's more feminine style. But the times that I would get like, you know, either unisex or masculine shirts, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I'm totally cool with that. But just the whole, yeah, like trying to, okay, you're getting a little older and let's get out of your tomboy phase, quote unquote. And then 
let's try to get you more feminine. And that's just, I think that's really where it started yeah. getting like me being reclusive, me not really talking to anyone. And I'm like, I'm just trying to go, go about my day without interrupting anyone else's in a way. Yeah. Okay. And now I'm going to go out on like a ledge that I'm not really sure what okay. the answer is to, <laughs> but around this age, we haven't gone through puberty yet. So it's not at all, I'm assuming about sexuality, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like I miss, I'm, I'm wondering, cause I'm making an assumption. So I'm going to ask before you hit puberty mm -hmm. and you're in this gender identity development, are you thinking about the fact that you have a vagina and that like, do, do you know what a penis is or is it just about internal feelings? Yeah, it was more so about internal feelings because like, again, sex education in the South, especially back then in the early 2000s, wasn't the great, the greatest. And so it was mainly so just me kind of feeling myself and feeling how I feel on the inside. Yeah. And just going along with that. And then once, you know, sex education gets started brought in, that's again when it started being just like, OK, now now I have to worry about I don't have this this part, but like I have this. So I'm, am I this or am I that? And it's just it was just a whirlwind, really, of everything. But I, I do remember like in middle school, right before puberty started hitting and all these, you know, girls changing in the locker room with like bras and everything. I was like, I don't really care about this. I just, you know, I don't, I don't want that ever. And at this point I was still pretty flat chested. So I'm like, this is fine. I'm not going to grow anything. And then the next year it's like, it just came out. I was like, oh, well, this is not what I wanted at all. Yeah. It's the opposite. So by the time you knew like girls had vaginas, boys had penises mm -hmm. biologically. Yeah. And then you go through the emotional development of your gender identity and then puberty hits. Mm -hmm. So in my own family member, the way that this was described to me was that they, as they're, and this is a male family member, so as their, they, their penis was getting bigger, mm -hmm. they were wishing that like, or just having thoughts like that yeah. they kind of wish that their breasts were growing. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you were kind of experiencing that, like yeah. that your breasts started to grow and, and you were like, no, at all. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very similar, especially. And I thought about it one day, like with my friend who is a male to female transition, uh, transgender woman. And she was talking like, I feel so dysphoric because the penis, it literally just is instant extension of you. Like it is almost like, you know, just an extra body part itself. And that's harder to forget about. Whereas, you know, with me and my vagina and everything, it's like it's, I just sit, I just do whatever. It's almost like nothing's down there. And that's to, it's like a Ken doll almost. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's so like to me, it's not as always on my mind. But with her, she's like, I think about it constantly. Like, what if it shows up or like, what if I feel uncomfortable because of it? And I was just like, yeah, that's a that's something that in my transition I wouldn't experience. But you you experience this every day. That's a really good point because, you know, even with my toddlers, we have a lot of conversations about like private parts and like mm -hmm. what, what they are. Yeah. And when you're trying to raise your children with like knowledge of like gender diversity, you know, we have let them know that nipples and breasts 
you know, or that area and your butt and your penis and your vagina and all of that are private parts. Mm -hmm. Now, my toddler boys get a little confused then, like if we don't wear a shirt, let's say at the pool. Yeah. And then they're like, but my nipples and my (laughs) they'll say my boobs are showing. And I'm like, well, you know, not really because you're body is a boy, mm-hmm. you know, physically, whether you're biologically born male or female, everyone has nipples. Yes. Right? Or exactly. Should, I guess. Yeah. And a lot of men have breast tissue mm-hmm. also. So that does make sense to me that the dysphoria around like a penis could be greater mm-hmm. than just like de- like the lack of breasts or the development of breasts. Ex- yeah. You know, yeah, when exactly. this the the way they look, besides how big they are, is still kind of similar. And it can be worked with. But, you know, with the penis itself, that's a little more difficult to manage or kind of accept that you have it, but you are feeling this way. Yeah. And so, again, that that leads into people's thought of bottom surgery and like, what would I do that way? And just it just it just goes on from there. Hey, it's Heidi. I'm interrupting the podcast to let you know about a free resource that I've created for you at birthstory.com. All you have to do is go to birthstory.com and then click the tab that says the workbook. Once you put your email address in, an entire resource library of all of my secret sauces are available to you for free as my thank you for listening to the Birth Story podcast and being part of this community. At birthstory.com, under the workbook, you will find a birth plan template, articles on circumcision, delayed cord clamping, flipping a breech baby, packing your hospital bag, acupressure points, placenta encapsulation, and so much more. There are over 20 free articles ready for you to download at birthstory.com. Now let's get back to this amazing episode. So before we get into like pretty, like I want to go to the next level of getting a little bit deep in, but I want to just push pause and Mm -hmm. talk about why this conversation is so important that we're having. And this is where I'm probably going to tear up. (laughs) The suicide rate with transgender persons is really high. Mm Mm-hmm. And we have shown that if you allow yourself to transition and express and say out loud and change and transition, the yeah. suicide rate goes way down. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'll update it in the show notes because I'm sure it changes from year to year. But the data and the research that I have shown is that as many as 75% of transgender persons try or attempt suicide in Mm -hmm. their life, but that that rate gets cut in half once the transition occurs. So someone, Shane, like you, is born Taylor in a girl's body. Mm -hmm. If there was any suicidal thoughts, they they could have significantly decreased just by allowing yourself to be the person that you were born to be, but were kind of trapped inside, Mm -hmm. you know, the wrong body. So I'm going to ask you, like, as you and only to the extent that you're comfortable answering, but as you went through puberty and this became more and more apparent to you that your brain and your body were not matching and you were having those thoughts and you just said that you kind of went inside yourself Mm -hmm. and you shut down. Were you suicidal? Uh, Yes, I was 
there were multiple times where I either attempted my own life or went about ways to, you know, kind of alter my body in unhealthy ways. So about the time where I accept, really was kind of understanding I'm not the way that girls are in my school or whatnot. I went into a, you know, kind of eating disorder, tried to be, you know, thinner, like, because I'm a pretty broad person in general. Like I have broad shoulders, I have, you know, kind of uh, wider hips. So I was just like, okay, the only way I can be like that, be accepted and have people really like me is to go through this. And so I wouldn't eat for like three, four days. And then finally, when I did, it would be like a cheese stick or a banana and then continue on. So that's that's really like what was happening during the the high school years and then college, because I'm on my own now. I really don't. I never fully accepted to myself before I went to college. And neither did I really talk to my family about this. So I was legitimately on my own at this point. So let me go back. So in high school, the whole high school, you were Taylor. Yes. You were female and you were trying to be more female. Yes. So there were times where I'm like, okay, I like I, I was raised in a kind of religious family. Not super religious, but still God and the Bible and everything. The Christian belief system was prevalent in our family. It's it's the classic story of like, oh, the Bible says this. The Bible says you can't do this and all that. And I wasn't open with my family because, you know, I didn't want to go down that route because then what like the horror stories of families kicking their kids out or like, you know, just not accepting who they are. So I tried so hard to fit in. And that's, you know, when I started getting my eating disorder and just really my depression state and just not knowing exactly what was happening, kind of fighting two different thought process, like the real me coming through, but like the society me in a way trying to be accepted and be liked. Right. And they were at constant war with each other. So where were your parents in all this? Did they notice you had an eating disorder or that you were depressed? Like were you, you said you went inward, Mm -hmm. but you also said that you had attempted your life and had done some acts on your body. Like where were they? Did they know Was it hidden from them or were they part of this journey in high school with you? It was pretty hidden until the very end where like because I had this or like this. I had not eaten for a good constant, maybe eight months. So almost a year and just the dramatic drop in weight. They were like, hey, like I know you're doing sports, but like this is a bit this is a bit too dramatic. So what's actually happening? And I'm just like, I don't know, I guess high metabolism. I didn't really bring them in on that side until like it just kind of all broke at once and I started crying in my bathroom my mom's just like I don't know what's happening but I'm here for you and so I never fully opened up to her about that until I was away at college I had written something for an online article for the school and she had read it and she that's when she was really like I had no idea Like I was there for you and I knew something was up, but I didn't know the extent. So what was the article about? It was um, the 13 Reasons Why show that came out. I don't know about it. So you're going to have to back me up. (laughs) So there's a show on Netflix about suicide, basically. Okay. 
And it's a very dramatic piece. And it's been a lot of controversy just because of how deep they go into it. But basically, the person at the beginning of the show who committed suicide gives 13 reasons why she did it. So my counter article, it was kind of like um, still a mental health piece and just getting the um, people to notice, you know, mental health is still something that we need to talk about. My thing was 13 reasons why I did not. And so like I just went back through like I did do this, but I did not do that. And so like these are the re- like these are the people that were in my life that kind of really helped me out. And these are the things in my life that said, hey, it's not time to do this. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Do you have a copy of your article? I do. I can find it and I will send it to you. If you're open, I would love to yeah. publish it. Yeah, put it on the sure. show notes. I mean, it's that on the That sounds really powerful. Somewhere. 13 yeah. reasons why you did not mm-hmm. commit suicide. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to bring it up because I just don't really feel like people understand that like this is where I like ball my eyes out like that life is fragile and life is mm-hmm. important and that that up to 75% of people taking their life because I believe that God makes you perfectly in in his or her image like this God did this on purpose mm-hmm. and that it's society mm-hmm. and culture that's got it all wrong. Yeah. That like very much we are two spirits, all of us. Like, I mean, people joke all the time. Like I've got so much masculine energy mm-hmm. <laughs> because like I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm cisgender, meaning like I feel like my ba- brain and my body match. That's a term people probably haven't heard of that are listening, but like I'm cisgender, but like I have a lot of like, I just have a lot of masculine energy, yeah. you know, and I have other friends that have that are male that have so much feminine energy. And like mm-hmm. it's we can be both. And it's we just need to shed light on the fact that like I I would like to get rid of like hashtag gender reveal yeah. off of Instagram I mean, really, if anyone's listening, like, please don't have a gender reveal party. It's a sex reveal. Mm-hmm. Like, it's we're making a guess, just yeah. like the story we read at the beginning. We're making a guess about um, our our children. Yeah, even the the person who created the whole gender reveal thing, her, I think it was her child or first or something came out as non-binary, and this this kid's like ten or so, and at that point she was like, please stop doing this. Now I'm more you know, aware of what actually happens and everything that goes on in some person's life. Like, even though I thought it was this way, they say it's this way. Yeah. And it's also a learning process. Mm -hmm. So like I'm on episode whatever. I have a transgender family member. I have still caught myself on the podcast saying, Mm -hmm. did you find out the gender? (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm like, I'm preaching and I'm changing, you know, all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And I do have friends now that we were just talking about non-binary, mm-hmm. right? This is another new concept, like kind of saying, well, I don't need to call myself a boy or a girl. I just feel like me. Sometimes it's more feminine. Sometimes it's more masculine. And and those friends of mine prefer to be identified as like they or them, mm-hmm. you know? And so, whew, so much to learn <laughs> yep. as we do this. But I really wanted to focus in on the fact that this is not okay. Yeah. It is not okay that there is a that high of a suicide rate with our friends and with our family members and with so many people out there. Mm-hmm. 
that are having thoughts and feelings and are not sharing them. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're not sharing them at five or six. Maybe they're not sharing them at puberty. Maybe they're not sharing them until college. Maybe they're not sharing them until after their kids are grown yeah. and they're already married and they've lived an entire lifetime battling those suicidal thoughts, you know, because thinking something's not, yeah. I, well, I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth, no, but no. when you look back at the suicidal thoughts, like what do you think was like the basis for for that it was definitely the aspect that I was not fully being myself like I knew even like with the eating disorder I was like this isn't me but I'm I need to do something and so that was my thought to do that with the the suicide thoughts I was just like well if I can't change anything because at the time like I didn't, I had no idea about transgender people. I had no idea about that this was even an option. And I just thought like I could not continue this way for forever, forever, how long I have. And so that's just not being able to really be like, this is who I am, was something that brought me down. And I went to college and like kind of got into a local like LGBT group. And it was very informative. Like they said, this is this is what we can get. Like, these are just options that you have. And it was about uh, my junior year of college. I actually have a tattoo on my ribs. It's in my own handwriting. And it says, you are not done. And that was like something that I got for myself. And I was just like, okay, this is this is a reminder for me that no matter what, I can continue doing something to better myself and better like present myself as who I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's always help. Yeah. And so many people, I feel like what you just said, like, I didn't even know this was a term. That was the the case for my family member. Like they didn't even know they didn't have a word until they showed they landed in a counselor's office and they said, this sounds like gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. This sounds like you're transgender. And then they went to read about that and I don't want to speak for them, but basically accepted with relief. Yeah. Oh, this is exactly like what I've been feeling. feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like this is it. Like someone, someone knows there's other people out there, you know, like me. Yeah. So we're about to kind of get into your birth story Mm -hmm. of like (laughs) birthing, you know, about birthing shame through this entire process. And I very carefully not asked you about your sexuality because gender and sexuality are two totally Mm -hmm. different things. And I just, if there's anything that anyone takes away from this podcast, (laughs) it's that, you know, it's that, yeah, that your, your own, whoever's listening, your own gender is different from your sexuality. Your Mm -hmm. child's gender is different from their sexuality. Your partner's gender is separate from their sexuality. And so I haven't asked you about your sexuality Mm -hmm. because honestly, it has nothing to do with your gender. So now I'm going to ask you because I'm curious (laughs) and we've, you know, gotten that out of the way. So, because you said you showed up at an LGBTQIA plus, you know, I don't even know. The the community. The community (laughs) on your college campus. This is where, uh, you know, I just, I'm curious. It's not really part of your gender story, you know, but it's still, it's still a birthing. Who do you like? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's still a birthing process because, you know, just trying to figure out exactly like come to terms with how I feel about certain like people 
I had gone. So when I showed up to school, I had a boyfriend, very feminine features and like just go. Okay. Once I got into this, you know, kind of meeting people at the school, going into the LGBT community itself and the group, like I started kind of just figuring things out. And at that point, I thought it was like, you can only be one, like pick a letter, your favorite, whichever one you want and go be that. (laughs) And so I had first come out as lesbian at the time because Taylor still identified as a woman and um, was attracted to women. Yes. Okay. And so I went through that for probably two, two ish years in college. And then towards the end, I was like, wait, I still, I still really like guys as well. So like, is this, is this more like a bisexual thing? And then that kind of took me into my own thought process. I'm like, wait, I can't, I don't really want to identify as bisexual while still being woman identified. So that made me really kind of, that really started the whole process of let me accept who I am myself and then I can accept who others are. So now I identify as a pansexual transgender man, which is like totally give the whole definition. <laughs> yes. So pan- give the whole definition. <laughs> Pansexuality, it's I it don't really mind whatever is like going on below around whatever you are about. If I really connect with you, like it will not matter. Like I I appreciate the male's parts. I appreciate the female's parts. And I also appreciate those that are non-binary that really don't want to identify with one or the other. And that's that's totally fine as well. So just pansexuality as a whole is just really, it's an umbrella term or it's a lower layer of bisexuality where bisexual, you're just like one or the other or like a, just two genders that you are very intrigued with. Mm-hmm. But pansexuality, you're like, yeah, everyone, let's just go. <laughs> so, See, to me, the way that I hear that is yeah. that you invest time and emotion mm-hmm. and connection into a person or yeah. their soul. Exactly. And then it really the the outer package mm-hmm. means very little to you. Yeah. That to me is more how I would define pansexual yeah. when I'm hearing you. Yeah, for okay. sure. And it's like, what like, was the second part of that? Transgender, pansexual, transgender man. Got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's just saying like I'm transgender man. So I'm female to male in my process. Okay. Yeah. So we're in college. I'm like, we're in college. (laughs) Like I'm in demo with you. I'm like, we're in college. Oh, college. I'm like, yeah. So we're in college. You're in college. And you write this really powerful paper, the statement. Mm -hmm. And you share it with your mom. And like... I want to I want to walk through that parental dynamic. Yeah. You're on your own. You've got the support system with this LGBTQIA group mm-hmm. um, at your university and then enter your mom into this picture. Yeah, I went through the group and everything. I actually they had elections for the board of people who could, you know, plan events and whatnot. And I actually won a seat on the board. And that's how my mom kind of found out because at this time, like I didn't, ha- I hadn't come out to her at all, like about with anything. And so like she saw on Facebook, all right, now introducing your new board member, here's Taylor. And mm-hmm. she was like, what is this LGBT thing that's going on? And so I actually came out to her like over the phone and had that conversation with her that way. And so. And it, when you say you came out to her, you yeah. came out to her as as, le- as lesbian. Oh, at you this came time. out first. So yeah. the sexuality piece. Yeah. Um, you know, the sec- preceded the, the first transgender se- piece. Yeah. Okay. The first sexuality moment. And that's when I was just like, hey, mom, your daughter likes women. And she was like, okay, like, 
you know, I'm down with this. Like it was, it was kind of rocky at first, but she's like, no, that's just who you are. And then like keep going through with to the the piece that I had written that came in a way came out to her about my depression. And she's like, hey, again, I wasn't really aware of this happening, but I'm here for you and just know, like, I love you and everything like that. So that was, you know, that that kind of coming out in a way with my depression. And then fast forward to now, because I actually only recently came out as transgender, not only to myself, but to people. And that was in December of last year. Ooh, what was your birthday? Uh, Do you remember? Just, it was like right before <laughs> New Year's. So probably like December 30th, something. Okay. We'll go with that. We're going to have to go yeah. with it. I was like, you need we'll like a, go with it. you need Shane's birthday. <laughs> okay. December 30th. Exactly. Okay. So yeah. we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah. I'll be, what is that? A Capricorn. I'll do yeah. that. <laughs> so this is, this is a new birth. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, we're recording this on September 11th, mm-hmm. your birthday. Yep. So I don't know when it comes out, but <laughs> this is the day that we're recording it. So you're really only nine months into your birth. Mm-hmm. You're a baby. I'm a child. You're a baby. <laughs> but yeah, and I actually fully like told people that I was transgender on stage, okay. like at the Comedy Zone. That, that was, was the how? First, that was the first time that I came out and I did a set and that was it. Were you like shaking and quivering? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Like as soon as I said, like came out on stage and said like I am transgender like it there was someone that actually like gasped at first I guess because they could sense my nervousness and whatnot but as soon as that happened I was just like wait yeah this is and And then then they're like is he making a joke is he re you know like I can see that so it's that's also something like I had (laughs) at a comedy club that could be confusing you know (laughs) exactly like this very serious topic but I'm like I'm supposed to laugh. So that was like just invigorating itself because once I did that, it was like, now these people will see who I truly am and I can really connect with them on these joke topics that I want to talk about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. But but that would have made you 24 years old. And so in college, we're like, so I want to talk about this gap now. So like now you're identifying as a lesbian. Mm -hmm. You're still Taylor. You're in college. Mm-hmm. And then like there, there are these four years that are leading up to like the birth of Shane. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in those four years, what were you doing to help your dysphoria? Oh my goodness. I don't even know if I was doing something to like <laughs> the boxer shorts. Yeah, I mean, you know like, what I mean? I did, was there anything? I did the minor things that I could. Like I still dress pretty masculine presenting and I just was the way that I was, but I... Is your hair short or long? It's been short since, I think, 2013. Like, that, like, was the first thing that I did once I got to college. I was like, nope, bye. It's fine. Okay. The major dysphoria that I was having was with my breasts. Okay. And so I would, like, look at these shirts, love them, absolutely love them in the store, go try them on in the dressing room, and they wouldn't look exactly how I had imagined them to look on me. Okay. And so that made me more, like... I can't buy this shirt that I like because I won't feel comfortable. And if you don't feel comfortable, you're never going to wear it. So I don't want to like spend all this money. I really. Because you had curves. Yeah, exactly. And you weren't interested in having. mm -hmm. Okay. And I like I still have them. Even now I haven't started tea or anything, but I know what, you know, kind of binding is itself, which Mm -hmm. really just straps down the breast and makes it more flat chested. So it's still isn't as you know perfect as I would want it to be but it really alleviate alleviates it now okay but going back I didn't really 
again, I didn't really know. Like so many of my friends were coming out as transgender. I was like, that's great for them. And I was like, wow, look at them go. It wasn't until maybe two, three years, like I said, after that, I was like, wow, this can be something that I can do. And like, this is an option. Or this feels like it matches who I am. Right. And the thoughts that you have been having, you know, all along on this journey, but it still took until you were 24 years old Mm -hmm. to kind of put all those puzzle pieces together. Yeah. Did you ever go to a counselor? I did. I, I, I had gone for mainly my depression side and let me talk about it this way. And then they knew me as Taylor lesbian. And so I would talk about that, but we never really got into this, you know, gender identity side of it. I venture because you were not seeing a counselor who specialized in gender identity Mm -hmm. because someone who specializes in gender identity might have been able to pick up on that a little bit sooner. Yeah, I guess. Oh, for sure. For sure. So I went to it was mainly like, you know, it was free through the school. It was the school's counselors and they're like Ph.D. and therapist and everything. So it was mainly for my depression side. Now I'm seeing a gender therapist and, you know, we're we're going into these in-depth conversations about, yeah, this is this is absolutely who I am and this is what I can be. Yeah, I think this is really important that you just said that, though, too, because people might be surprised that there are therapists that specialize Mm -hmm. in gender identity. So in Charlotte right now, we have some really great ones. Do you want to say who your therapist is Uh, or do you want to keep that private? I'll keep I'll keep that one. But there there are there are many great gender therapists in the Charlotte area. Like you were saying, there's a lot of good trans groups as well, like Transcend Charlotte also not only shows you and points you in the direction of therapists in the area, but they also have a trans closet, which is like people donate clothes. They have clothes for everyone. Whatever you want, you kind of just go in and be like, hey, this is really nice. I can present this way without actually having to worry about the cost. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm imagining there's a way for people to donate clothes to the trans closet Mm -hmm. also. And again, we're local to Charlotte, North Carolina. But what I'm going to do in the show notes and on the website is I'm going to take this episode and then we're going to link to resources so that if anyone's listening and they think like their child or themselves or their spouse, like so that they have an opportunity to find some to find some resources out there, too. Mm -hmm. All right, Shane. So one of the things that you just like, whoops, flashed right over was like you just said T. And so anyone who's listening is probably like, I didn't understand that letter. Yeah. So T stands for testosterone. Okay. Yes. So so in in my transition as a transgender man, in order to, you know, kind of go medically transitioning, like even I'm coming out and I'm doing all this and I am in the process of transitioning. But this medical side is where with testosterone, I inject my body with it and it starts giving me more masculine features. It kind of like it's my body on testosterone itself. So even though I'm so used to my body with the estrogen, now there's other elements coming into place. And it's almost like I'm going through a second puberty. Okay, Mm -hmm. let's let's, I have a million questions about that. I bet. (laughs) Where do you get testosterone? You can get it at Planned Parenthood. Uh, Many people get it through their own primary care uh, physicians, but they have to be certified for HRT, which is hormone replacement therapy. It used to be harder to where like you had to have a therapist sign off and then your doctor had to sign off and then they both had to come together and be like, this is what this person needs. And then you go get the prescription. 
now it's pretty, you know, with a lot of advancement in society and, you know, just medical stuff itself, you can go to your doctor and just be like, hey, I'm interested in like hormone replacement therapy. Okay, let's look and, you know, blood work, see what you can do, like what one will really go with your body more and get you it. So and then you said it's an injection like with a needle. Yes. I would have to. Inject. This is a shout out to all the diabetics right? out there. I was, like... about to, I was actually about to compare kind of similar. Each week, I would just have to, you know, pick a spot, usually legs or the butt cheek or something like that, and inject it through there. It's not the easiest thing. To no, I'm, I'm ready for like when the testosterone would be like in a vape option, because that'll be much easier <laughs> for me or like a patch or something. But yeah, right now it's the injections. Itself. I wonder if any drug companies are working on that. It's Actually, weekly. So yes. just once a week injection. Mm-hmm. OK, yeah. so that's not too terrible. No, then. not too terrible at all. Um, and that they kind of regulate it that way, because if you inject too much testosterone, let's say like you wanted to really just advance your your transition your medical transition and you're like i'm gonna inject all of my testosterone don't do that because it will actually if your body gets too much testosterone it'll start reverting it to estrogen so it'll make you that more makes sense it'll make you more feminine and slow down your process even though you're trying to speed it up so really go with what the doctor's saying the amount that they give you and the timing that they give you it has to be on point, almost almost like the birth control. And like it has to be at this time. It has to be this amount. And just each week go through that. So it really so when we called you a toddler earlier, it's almost it really as if you're like pregnant with yourself. Yeah, <laughs> because it takes. So how long? So you said you're going through another puberty. Yeah. Now, I, my my adult mind doesn't remember how long puberty lasts. Yeah. So how long are you like coached on that this puberty will last? Like you inject yourself every single week mm-hmm. with testosterone. You're you're going through a second puberty. Uh-huh. Have they told you like how long that will last until it, your body starts to regulate? They they said it's honestly up to your body itself because I have friends who they're going on a year on tea now and they're they still you know kind of look like a twelve year old but they're just you know more masculine twelve year old yeah like a fifth, they're more fifteen year old right now okay but and then I've known other people who inject it and after a month they already have a full beard and just they're they're so passing itself so they said it's honestly up to how much testosterone your body naturally produces as well as how much and how regularly you do it this way. They they explained to me that no matter how long I do this, I will always experience new changes. Okay. So for the rest of my life, something different will pop up. I'll be like, that's new. And just yeah. it'll keep going there. But they said the dramatic changes usually happen around six to eight months. Okay. That's when the voice really starts dropping. You know, hair comes everywhere. And that's when it starts nine months to a year you're kind of settling out itself. Okay. And what, sorry, what month did you start the testosterone? I have not started Oh, yet. you haven't? No. Oh, okay. I so have, that, never mind. I have my first <laughs> appointment to get my blood work and actually get the prescription at the end of this month. Okay. So that's Do you want to know why? Because I was like, well, you don't have any like acne. That was the first yeah, thing I was thinking. That's, like, that's one will of you go things. through acne? I'm assuming like, and a lot of people going through puberty go through. Yeah acne and so i'm looking at your like face that doesn't have any acne on it right now and i'm thinking "Mm, you know that yeah it will bring out a lot of more acne like um just just everywhere they really said but there's treatments for that as well like just be regular on your skincare 
even though you're injecting, you that can't be the only thing that you're worried about. You still have to go through your your regular hygiene and everything like that. Also, like face scrubs and all that, and keep your body maintained. Okay. But it, I will become more sweaty and more acne, and so it's it's gonna and happen. bigger. I'm assuming your body mass would get bigger when mm-hmm. you're on testosterone. Yeah, it's it, it'll get bigger. Uh, muscles will develop a little faster. Okay. Like I go to the that's one of my dysphoria things right now because I go to the gym almost every day, and I'm I'm like I'm still. I'm still this. And so it's that's going to be like one thing that will it will increase my muscle index and everything like that. Okay. And then so what else? Facial hair? Yeah. If, if lowering voice. Mm-hmm. And this is again a female to male transition on yep. testosterone. Expectations from HRT yes. would be that your physical body is going to get bigger and stronger. Mm-hmm. Your voice is going to drop. Are there any changes that you would expect your breast tissue to get smaller? Yes. Um, actually, there. my friend, we're, we were kind of, when he was a she at the moment, we were kind of similar in body structure. Now his breast tissue, without top surgery, which is removing your breasts, it looks just like male pecs, male nipples. And so yeah. it's it's completely passing and being able to, like, if I could do my testosterone and my breasts shrink and I wouldn't have to go through top surgery, I would absolutely love that. But, you know, again, it's it's different bodies. It's really what my body is going to do itself. But I try to approach it as I can't have certain expectations because if you focus on the expectations of what you think you'll look like, it'll really just ruin your whole experience of what you will eventually actually look like. And you'll you know, kind of, at least I know I'll have the dysphoria then. It's like, I worked so hard to get to this spot. Why am I still trying to change the way that I am, even though this is what I've wanted all the time? So I've been trying to go, you know, at it more so like, if it happens, cool. If not, it, like if I don't get the, the beard or anything, awesome. But like, I'm still going through my medical side and I'm doing what I can to really be true to myself. Right. I love that you said that. And as we kind of like wrap up here, there's a couple of things I want to address. And this is like the mom. This is like the mom and me coming out to you, right? Is that it is just as important for you to continue to focus on all of the things about you that have nothing to do with your body and dysphoria. Mm -hmm. Like, I love that you have mixed around all the pieces of the puzzle to find comedy, Right. And to find these other things that are you that have nothing to do with your gender, with your body, what you look like on the other side of this. Right. There was a counselor I was with one time that said, no matter where you go, there you are. Yeah. No matter what you wear, there you are. No matter what you look like, there you are. Mm -hmm. So it's just as important to that we have that conversation that as people are having these feelings and these transitions and and going on that path that we're equally focused on like when you say who I truly am that that goes so far beyond the gender yeah. right of like looking at those things that you're passionate about yeah. like comedy like a career like exercise and going to the gym like like doing body art there's so many things that you mentioned today that have shown me so many more pieces of who you are mm-hmm. that have nothing to do 
with gender. Does that make sense? And so that's the mommy in me that's like, keep focusing on that too. Mm -hmm. Like waking up and figuring out like what brings me joy? Like what is it that sets my soul on fire? Exactly. And and going off that, like, yeah, the, the medical transitioning and, you know, me wanting to present more masculine, more so a male form body. Again, that's just all physical stuff. But like you were saying, you are always there. And who am I besides being transgender? And so that kind of brings me back into the comedy. Like, okay, what what am I more so interested in talking about? What kind what can I really relay more so? And that just that just flows together. Like this is just um, it's not a minor thing, but it's just so like on the dot of everything else. And the reason I bring it up is because my little sister, like I said, is also your age. And there's this thing. I don't have you ever heard of the quarter life crisis? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. (laughs) So that's why I was like, well, there's also probably you have this added layer, you know, a second puberty, Mm -hmm. this like transition. But you also probably are going into your quarter life crisis where you're like, okay, you said you just moved out of your parents' house. Yep. yep. The next chapter has definitely started. It's just. that that fine line of the ending of the first segment of the life and then now this part of really accepting you know who I am and being true to who I am in all aspects that's like this new mid part of life and so it's it's honestly fascinating for me and exciting because I'm like there's so much more that I can do and there's so much in the world and now that I'm accepting of who I am and how I present to people I feel so much more flowing with the universe itself because I am kind of I am true to who I am I'm accepting of me and now I can do that with the world yeah well I hope that you add me as one more person that's in your support bucket and that you always remember that you what you have tattooed like you are not done exactly like there's so much life Mm -hmm. and I'm just so excited that you're embracing it and like Shane is here yeah like goodbye Taylor (laughs) it's Shane now yeah Mm -hmm. did you have to have kind of like a ritual or a ceremony to like say goodbye to Taylor or was it like peace? <laughs> it was it was more so kind of like peace. Well, so I was I, the way that I picked my own name itself is that I was just like, OK, what kind of, you know, flows with me? What's what's my story and like what is kind of something that can really encompass who I am itself? And then with my, uh, you know, name being Lane, I was like, I kind of want something to flow with it. So I was like, Shane Lane sounds dope. So yeah. that is that is exactly how I was going. I was writing comedy at the time to really figure out, okay, what kind of names go with it. And so in a way, it was sort of like a ritual because I'm like, I'm doing my comedy. Here goes that past me and here's a new me. Let's do this. So yeah. Have you um, officially changed your name? Legally, like on the, all the government documents and like for insurance and W-2s and purposes, it is my birth name. But, you know, stage, can you get rid of that pretty easy? I, with North Carolina, it's a little more, you know, tedious. Oh, I know. I North know. Carolina. But, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> but it, it, there, there are options. My friends are going through the process of changing their names now. It's mainly like, you know, background checks and just, you know, just keeping everything solid like that. Yeah. So it will be a process in the future. But, you know, focus on the now. I'm dealing with my getting my testosterone. And that's really what I'm going to be dealing with in the next couple months. Okay. This is really exciting. Yeah. Bef- the very last thing that we're going to okay. close out with is on your Instagram. Yep. Let's tell everybody how to find you. Okay. Um, it is Shane O'Lane. And spell it. I was about to say, I'm very interesting. So I spelled it an interesting way. It's S-H-A-I-N-E-O. 
L-A-I-N-E. So Shane Lane, both with eyes. Yes. Mm-hmm. With an O in between. Yes. So exactly. on your Instagram, you have like an epic like Snapchat <laughs> where you're like, thank you, Snapchat, for all of the different, like you can turn yourself, like, yeah. you know, put a beard on yourself or mm-hmm. something to help your dysphoria. The reason I want to end on this is because if someone's like still listening all the way through the end and they're like, I still I'm just not understanding dysphoria. Right. Like I'm not understanding, like Mm -hmm. you know, what he's talking about. Right. I want everyone to open up their phone, get on Snapchat. Instagram. It's on Instagram. It's on. No. So the filter itself is on Snapchat and they can have you do, you know, they have a male version and a female version. So like if you're you identify as male. Go try the female Do the one. opposite. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it shows you how you would, quote unquote, present if you were the other way. Yeah. I'm saying this because this is one of the very first things that helped me understand my family member the way that they felt. Mm-hmm. Is putting a beard. Like, I literally, like, did the filter and, like, put a beard on myself and, like, short air. And I felt so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, I felt so, like, <laughs> like, who is this person, you know? And that, everyone, is what body dysphoria is. Mm-hmm. That is what we're talking about today. Like that feeling that I had for a minute, if you guys jump onto this filter and do it, like if you can't carry around that feeling for an entire day, for an entire lifetime, through puberty, through elementary school, middle school or high school, like that feeling is why we're having this conversation because that suicide rate has to change. Like we Mm -hmm. have to become a culture and a society where like we embrace two spirits. We embrace a person's true self. We embrace that God made each of us perfectly, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And I'm just so thankful that you were on today to share your birthday. I really appreciate you like inviting me to do this because this is this was an amazing way to really celebrate my birth and just my birthday itself like again this is the new chapter and this is what's going to happen like things are going to happen and seeing this and being able to talk with you about it was just so amazing. Yeah. I love your birth story and I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to birth story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like.